Hey, good morning once again, or for the first time, for those of you that come in late. We know, we see you. Um, we are in the, uh, the, the middle of, towards the end of our series on thankfulness, on gratitude during this series, this season of Thanksgiving. And I opened with a challenge to not look beyond the garden for the tree, um, to, to not look beyond the season of Thanksgiving to see Christmas and to focus on this holiday. And, and I talked about a letter to Santa that my son wrote. And some of you have been casting stones my way um, because, shockingly, you listen to my sermons, um, remember them, and then use them against me, uh, which I'm not sure is really how this works. Uh, but this is what's been happening over the past uh, two days, really yesterday and this morning. Uh, so this morning I woke up with a labradoodle on my head. Um, if you remember Corbin's letter to Santa, he asked for a cute, cuddly puppy. Um, and, uh, Santa delivered on Friday a, a little rusty colored labradoodle who got in bed with us at 5.30 this morning to cuddle on top of my head. Now... Here's where the stone throwings come in because you're like, because I had some people go, well, you're not focused on Thanksgiving type stuff. Um, Thanks for listening. See, I'm grateful that you listen. Um, But a couple of things. One, Santa brought the dog. And so what Santa chooses to do is really out of my hands. Um, you know, the, the letter from Santa that we found on the door said that Lucy, which is her name, was so excited to come and be with Corbin that she couldn't wait any longer. And Santa had to make a special trip to San Antonio. Sorry that he didn't make it to your houses. Um, he loves us more. Um, and then the second thing uh, about that is, is I am really thankful for this dog. Um, I I, I was not thankful for the dog on Friday night um, when the dog was missing Santa and his reindeers crying all night long. Um, However, last night was great. She slept through the entire night uh, because our dog is smarter and better than all of yours. So, was that my outside voice? I'm sorry. So, uh, all that to say... I am still focused on Thanksgiving. I am still grateful. It is my second favorite holiday, and it's a real close second um, to, to, of course, Christmas. Um, and, but uh, we are finishing this topic of Thanksgiving and, and gratefulness uh, next week at the end of the Thanksgiving season when all the craziness really starts to happen. But today I, I want to talk about Luke chapter 17, beginning at verse 11. It says this, as Jesus continued on towards Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered a village there, ten lepers stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. He looked at them and said, go show yourself to the priests. And as they went, their leprosy disappeared. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, praise God, I'm healed. He fell face down on the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? 
Does only this foreigner return to give glory to God? And Jesus said to the man, Stand up and go. Your faith has made you well. These are the words of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, in this scripture, there is a whole lot of stuff going on. There's a whole lot of stuff packed into these verses. There's a lot of different directions that you could go. My focus is primarily on the Samaritan and his reaction. So here's what's going on. Uh, Jesus is making his way to Jerusalem. So he, he is, he's been around for a while. He's been doing his ministry with his disciples for three years. He's making his way to Jerusalem for the crucifixion, right? He knows this. If you look before this happens in Luke, he is just cramming the disciples with teaching. Just cramming stuff in. It's story after story, parable after parable, teaching after teaching. He's just, just amassing all of this knowledge into them. After this, he continues to just pour stuff into the disciples as they move towards Jerusalem. Here and there, he, he drops in these little things like, I am not always going to be with you. He drops in these hints about his death and his resurrection, to which the disciples are like, huh? What? What are you talking about, Jesus? That's funny. Because uh, they just can't grasp it. And I don't know if this is the case, but to me, the way that this reads is Jesus is a little put out right now. He's like, he's on his way to Jerusalem. He's got this tremendous mountain that he must climb. He keeps telling all over and over the disciples the same thing. And they just keep going, but, but wait, huh? And so here come, he's in this little area between Galilee and Samaria. And and here's this group of lepers. Now, Something that you need to know about leprosy. Leprosy, skin disease. Yeah. But it was also connected to sin. And it was believed that people who were afflicted with leprosy were sinful. And so they were cast out from their communities because you couldn't be associated or come into contact with anyone that was unclean or sinful. So they were just cast aside. If they were brothers, fathers, it didn't matter, mothers, sisters, it didn't matter. You're out. Don't come here anymore. This is why they're on the border. They wouldn't be caught in a village. They're going to be on the outskirts. But you see that they've created kind of a community in and of themselves. There's ten of them walking together, and they've even included an outsider among the outsiders. Because the Samaritan, the reason they say Samaritan, you should go, "Uh uh-oh, something's up here. Why are they mentioning specifically that he was a Samaritan? Well, because Samaritans and Jews, if you remember, don't play nicely together. They don't, they don't really get along. They don't like one another. But here is the Samaritan who's cast out from his community, who has the relationship broken with his community, that is joined together with these nine other men. They see something special in Jesus, and so they call out to him. Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And I love Jesus' reaction. Go to the priests. Right? I mean, you could read it as, go show yourself to the priests. Or, as I kind of like to read it, go show yourself to the priests. Now, here's why I think it's this way. When Santa dropped off um, this puppy on Friday... He left the note on the front door that said, Corbin, Lucy, was so excited she couldn't wait. We've made a special delivery. Go look in your backyard. 
Um, and if you remember, on Friday it was raining, um, so yay. Uh, but on top of her little kennel was some bowls that Santa left as well because Santa thinks ahead um, and has these bowls there. And in the bowls was a little note to Corbin that Corbin read, and it said, This is your dog, not your mother's dog, not your father's dog, not your sister's dog. This is your dog, your responsibility, right? So um, here's what happens yesterday. Lucy, as I told you, is much smarter than all of your dogs, um, but she hasn't quite mastered um, the potty thing yet. And, uh, and so she was in the, um, one of our rooms, in our living room, and she starts to go um, potty on a rug, and Jenna's like, Lucy, no, no, Lucy, and, and like makes a mad dash for her. And I'm standing to where I can see this occurring, and then I can look to this side and see the responsible party who's sitting on the couch watching college football. Now, one, I respect that he is into the college football. You know, I'm down with that. But he makes no attempt, no movement, no recognition that something's going on, right? And, and you could hear Jenna throughout the entire house yelling at Lucy. I know he heard her. And I'm like, dude, get up. Do you hear your mother? Yeah. Excuse me? Yes, sir. We do this little game at home. Um, and, and I'm like... This is your dog. Take care of your dog, man. How many? We've already had this conversation like 17 times since Santa dropped her off. How many times? So frustrated. See, I think Jesus is here, right? He's like at this point where he's just like over and over and over again saying the same thing. And these guys are like, have mercy on us. He's like, go to the priest. Seriously. I, I'm just I'm kind of tense right now. There's a lot going on. There's a lot coming. Go to the priest. Now, it doesn't say that he, he doesn't do anything. Because what does he do? He heals them, right? They walk away. And as, as they're on their way to the priest, the leprosy just goes away. So he takes care of them. But he sends them away. Now, here's where the interesting thing comes in. Because, okay, if you have leprosy and you have this sinful life and you have been cast out from your from your community, that relationship has been broken with your community. If you be, if you be healed, God be all around us, right? God be all around me. If you be healed and, and you are ready to come back to your community, you cannot begin that relationship with your community again until you go and make the appropriate sacrifices with the priests. So they're going, and the other nine are like, Oh my! Because you've got to imagine that they knew that they were healed, right? Assume you have some sort of skin disease on you, and all of a sudden you look down and you don't. It's not like you have a cold and then you like it's not there anymore, and you kind of still kind of feel sniffly a little bit. It's gone. So they're healed. They understand that they're healed, but they continue on. They're doing really kind of what they should be doing. This is what the law says. The law says if you're healed of this, then you go and you do the sacrifices so that you can then get back into a relationship with your community. But I'll tell you what I think that they missed was a relationship with Jesus. Because if you see how the story went, what did the story do? They didn't really come close to Jesus. They said from afar, and Jesus goes, get thee to a nunnery, essentially, right? He sends them off to the priests, and they go... 
they're healed, but it's the Samaritan that recognizes this, knows where the healing comes from, and he turns around and makes a dash for Jesus. I submit to you that it is because he was living a life prepared to be thankful. If you were here last week, what we talked about is this muscle. It's this, it's this ability to, to lead with praise and thanksgiving and everything. It's this, it's this lifestyle. In Second Chronicles 20.20, 20, it talks about as they're going into battle, they send the people to give praise and thanksgiving at the front of the line. Because it is that important to lead with gratitude, praise, thanksgiving. And so it is important for us as well to be people who give thanks. It is important for us to be people who lead with grateful hearts. Now, some of us lead with grumpiness. Me. I typically lead with grumpiness. When I wake up with a labradoodle on my head, the first thing in my mind is grumpiness. Why is there a dog on my head? Has she been to the bathroom recently? Is she going to the bathroom right now? (laughs) Type scenario, I don't know. Some of you lead with pessimism. You become a pessimist at the first chance you can. You're saying to yourself, no, I don't. Some of you are offense-driven, that offense is the first thing that springs to mind. Others of you are grateful-driven thankful. Some of you do have that muscle already. And boy, you need to teach the rest of us about it. I think the Samaritan, this foreigner, this guy who wasn't even really a part of them, was living his life in such a way that when what happened happened, he understood who it was that healed him, and he ran back there to be in relationship with him. Because let me tell you, if someone heals you, don't you want to know that person a little bit more? Don't you want to go sit at their feet and go, You have the power to do that. I think you have some more power inside of you, too. Hey, my name's Michael. I think what the other nine missed was an opportunity for relationship. Yes, their relationship was going to come as they they did their appropriate sacrifices, and they got back into their community, and the relationships were restored there. But they missed an opportunity for a relationship so much more powerful. Because maybe they were focused more on the letter of the law and not a spirit of gratefulness. So this week is Thanksgiving week, right? This is um, my favorite day of the year is Christmas Eve. It's like being next in line. You're so like the anticipation is so awesome. I'm next. Um, But, you know, Christmas Eve, I love that day. But my favorite week of the year is Thanksgiving. I love this week. We go down to the river and my brother-in-law and I set off. Uh, bonfires so much so that from space I think we are seen every um, Thanksgiving you can see us we just we go a little crazy with wood and fire is what I'm saying but we we just have this great time out at at the river and 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 I love this time Um, but on Thursday there's going to be 30 of us around a couple of tables and I love every single one of them But some of them really irritate me. Some of them just get on my nerves, right? And some of them don't like each other anyway, and they start getting back and forth with each. Am I the only one who's about to walk into a celebration on Thursday like this? 
Look, I know, I know my puppy's smarter than yours, but I know all of you also have dysfunctional families like I do, right? This is a day when we celebrate dysfunction in family, unlike any other day. We gather around the table, and we look at Uncle Jack, and we're like, that guy is nuts. Oh my gosh, what comes out of his mouth just astounds me. Do people still think the way that you do? Wow, that flip phone is awesome, Uncle Jack, you know, type thing. And, and I know that you're going to be with friends and family wherever you are. And by the way, if you don't have a place to be, come here at noon. We have a, a Thanksgiving lunch that is going to be here. Help serve it. Help cook it. Come and celebrate. There will be dysfunction in here. I guarantee it. You can't have a meal on Thursday without some sort of dysfunction going on. But here's the thing. What if instead of giving dysfunction back to dysfunction that is given... You give gratefulness. Uncle Jack, I'm so glad you're here. Because without you, I wouldn't know how sane I was. I'm so glad you're here because you bring the levity up a whole lot of notches. And let's tell you, Granny needs a little laugh every now and then, right? I mean, what if you led into your family with a thankful heart, with gratefulness? What if you led this way? Wouldn't it blow the minds? Now, some of you are sitting here, and you're Uncle Jack, and so you're just not getting this right now. I understand that. But what if you went into your Thanksgiving dinner, and you operated out of this sense of thanksgiving, this sense of gratefulness? And people will start getting annoyed with you because maybe you haven't been doing it this way all of your life. And you're like, man, I'm just, I'm just happy to be here. And it's just like pandemonium. There's going to be 30 of us. There's also going to be about 12 dogs at this. Yeah. And by the way, none of them get to play with Lucy. We're like, no one gets to play with Lucy. You dogs stay away. So we're keeping her segregated inside the house where the rest of them can spend for themselves outside. But, but what if? We began this holiday season as, as we go into this week and doing whatever you do. What if you led with this grateful spirit and people started going, what, what's the deal with you? Well, let me tell you, I'm a person who gives thanks. I'm a person who leads with gratefulness. Imagine what you will be able to take away from those tables. Imagine the relationships that will be able to be built because you lead with gratefulness. Like the Samaritan who understood to run back to Jesus and to be grateful, a relationship was formed. What if you opened yourself up for that same opportunity this week? Let us be people who are grateful and give thanks. The worship team is coming back up right now. Our prayer team is going to be under the crosses, I think. They're already there. Naaman's about to leave. He's like, oh, I'm not on the prayer team. Um, <laughs> the prayer team's going over there under the crosses. And uh, should you desire prayer, maybe for this week, to help you to get over some of your feelings for Uncle Jack or whomever it is, that when you encounter them, you can do so with the spirit of gratitude, of thanksgiving. Uh, they will be over there.